Hey guys, it's Chris Denson from Innovation Crush, and guess what? I just got my first Away luggage. I gotta tell you, this thing is amazing. First of all, you've got three sizes to choose from. Uh, the carry-on, the medium, the large, depending on what kind of travel you are. I travel light, so I got the little one, but it is amazing. You get a 100-day trial. You can live with it, vibe with it, travel with it, Instagram it, do whatever you want. And if you don't like it, they will refund your money. Uh, there's free shipping on any away order within the continental U.S. Size that's compliant with all major airlines while maximizing the amount you can pack. I got to tell you, if you want to travel smarter, you need an away suitcase. I highly suggest you guys visit Away Travel dot com slash crush for twenty dollars off your order again that's away travel.com slash crush you should be able to spell those three words shouldn't you um and just enter the promo code at checkout that's away travel.com slash crush Adventurous spirit come from? Like, I don't, I don't really know, but I know I was born with it. 
You know what I mean? It's the, it's the reality of that. My my idea of having a strategic mind was at a very young age. You know, even when I was 11 years old and I wanted to go to the, the skateboard competition that they had and I didn't have any money, I called the skate shop and said, hey, uh, if I have, if I get 10 people to pay to, to, to come to the contest, can I get it for free? And they were like, okay, right? So I don't know why I would do that. You know, I went on the yellow pages, found a number, just called and just cold called. And, and it is with that that I began to build this foundation of, of seeing what you want and creating a plan to go get it. Uh, and then it just evolved as, as time changed. But I also, I was raised by entrepreneur wolves. You know, it wasn't like that the kid that owned the skate shop was 19 years old. He said, come down and skate. Like, and then uh, I was so good initially right there. They're like, oh, you should ride for our team. If you've been, you're this good, you've only been skating a month. And then uh, he started the distribution. And the guys that I met through the shop all started companies. And, and I just thought that's what my path was. Right. This is what you do, you just start companies. That's why I started my first company when I was so young, because I just thought that was part of what I was supposed to do. It's also interesting, because yesterday, Roman opened the, the, the event with this concept, called, among other concepts, um, it's called OFF. It was an acronym for Obsession, Hours, and Focus. Right, and I think at 11, right, you had to have some obsession with escape. You know, like, what was it that drew you to it? What was the thing that made it kind of feel like your own that you wanted to really be passionate about to go out and ask for money to, to get this conversation? Look, like, I, I think that what drew it to me was the individuality and the, and the sort of addiction to progression, right? It's the duty of what it is in the sport. Is it, it's your, you make it your own, and then uh, it's limitless by design. And, and always evolving. So you getting you become addicted to going through the process of trying to learn a new trick, and then when you finally do it, it's like this euphoria uh, that's you become addicted to, right? And I was, you know, in the eighth grade, I was on the varsity soccer team. I was playing four seasons of soccer a year. It was like this is his path. He's going to be a pro soccer player. He's going to go to college. He's going to get a scholarship. You know, I was in Taekwondo, like, on my way to get my black belt. It was a You know, but I had already, and what I always tell people, especially when you're young, you know, I was, I had a father that, that sort of instilled in me that you can do anything, like anything I asked him, said, of course I can do that, I can do that, I'm your dad, right? So I just kind of, like, of course I can do anything, and then I built a foundation of, becoming successful at every single thing that I did. So if I look back, it's why that confidence to attack anything, even that that you don't know, because you have this embedded subconscious belief that you could literally do anything. Well, here's the other thing. I mean, skating, especially compared to entrepreneurship, I think skating is one of those things where there's a super high fail rate, right? Um, and it's also high risk. Or depending on like how big, like I mean, especially with you even outside of skating, having over twenty, you know, world records or having set that many, um, what kind of parallels do you draw between those two worlds, like that, you know, trial and error of you know in your craft as well as entrepreneurship? Well, well, look, I, I, it, like any great business, if you start with the end in mind. Right? I think what a lot of people do is they just start with an idea and it'll work itself out. Right? And in skateboarding, you can't do that. Like you have to know this is the trick that I want to do. You know what it looks like at the final product. Now you've got to go through the process to eventually learn it and all the trial and error to get there. And I think fundamentally, 
when it comes to being an entrepreneur, if you can't decide what the end is before you start and why you're doing it in the first place and then build a, a path backwards from that, it's going to be so much harder for you to maintain uh, the energy and the faith when things go south, right? And Or make the right adjustments to where you're proactively pivoting rather than reactively pivoting. You know, I, I think, especially people from my world, I mean, look, I quit high school and, and, and started companies based off of passion and idea and drive and didn't understand the first thing about business. You know, despite the fact of when I became a professional skateboarder, uh, I kept calling myself a business and I would track all my finances like right. you know in 1991 and in 1991 you know I sold one board and got a two dollar check and had to mark that you know what I mean I had to go cash that so that I could get some Dr. Peppers you know <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's you know it is that sort of mentality from skateboarding uh, and the, the beauty of skateboarding what it embedded in me it is the only sport in the world that is driven by progression, right? And because of the nature of the board and, and what you skate on, it's limitless by design. So, you know, even as with my league, it is it is still every year these guys are doing harder and harder stuff. It's almost like uh, the beauty of the slam dunk without the right. limitations of the physical body that a slam dunk has, right? And our, our dunks, our tricks, if you will, get harder and harder and more insane and more insane. And that... Um, that sort of core mentality where it's progression over everything and the NBDs, as we like to call it, the never been done's mm -hmm. matter the most when you're the first person to create something, either on a spot or, or invent a trick. And that sort of same mentality of like where my lens for business is, is people call it white space or a disruption, you know what I mean? Like where it's just the skater's mind of an NBD. Right. Know? Um, and um, what I guess what have you learned about human potential right because I, I think when you see one trick done you're like oh my gosh it's never been done before and then a year later somebody else like triples that feat look I, I think forget about the fact that I've watched it happen in skateboarding but think of the times we live in yeah. you know what I mean like the level of evolution and what we're going through just in the last 10 years is just incredible you know and and I think if you apply that to all aspects of life we just live in incredible times of of you know where we thought it was insane when we didn't have to have a CD player and we had we had a five gig gig iPod where we were able to get like ten CDs on it we were like what now like we're connected to the entire world yeah. through our phone you know and and look skateboarding is no different what these kids do today first try with their eyes closed I couldn't even if I dedicated my entire life ten years of mastery to one of these tricks I could never do it that's how difficult they've evolved, you know. Speaking of mastery, you just segued into my next, did you guys watch his mastery video, the 60 second, raise your hands? No. Three, three people, you guys get a prize. Somebody play it. Um, by the way, I'm the rock, paper, scissors champion, uh, well, runner up, <laughs> sorry, okay. it's a long story. Um, no, when you, I mean, you talked about this concept of mastery and you know, the video is pretty interesting because there was all these visuals floating around about the things that you've worked on in your career and in your life and you, you kind of touched on this concept of like, I want to master mastery in a sense. If you can just dive a little bit into that and like kind of explain it a little bit. Well, look, you know, I think that uh, like, are we jamming over here? What's it, what are we jamming? It's a concert next door. Is it? No, I don't know. I have none there. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I 
doesn't sound like it's like coming from the fucking. <laughs> It'd be weird if you were the only one that heard it, and then yeah, I was like, what is that noise? But it'd be better if I laid down and it made me go into yoga poses. Uh, look, to me, uh, you know, and I, I learned this from from a, uh, like a Tony Robbins, right? Where it, where even they talk about if you can develop your mastery at an early age, uh, then your your path in life is is so much different, right? Especially if your mastery scalable. What happens to someone that dedicates their uh, life to an athletic mastery, it's not scalable, right? And, and ultimately, you're physically going to hit a wall. And you see these incredible athletes that then have a really hard time figuring out what to do next because their, their level of greatness, ultimately, their personal mastery uh, inspired masses. And that's ultimately what greatness is, right? right. And, uh, you know, so for me, because I ended up doing so many things, and at the core of them is you just love to create and build stuff, right? So then uh, there's part of that that you like and do not like, you know, and, and really looking within yourself. Do you like being on TV? Do you like being, like, uh, the chairman of, of your league? Do you like creating television shows? Do you like building brands? Like, yeah. Do you like sitting in meetings? Do you like sitting on the board? Like, what do you actually like? And how does it actually all connect, you know? Because, again, like... Like I, I said in the video, for someone like me, you're so driven and, and when you decide to do it, you execute. And, and what happens is by doing so many different things, you end up standing for so many different things. And ultimately, um, if you have the ability to do anything and you choose to do everything, you end up standing for nothing, right? And, and that's sort of what I had to kind of reflect on is what do you want to master and how is it scalable for the rest of your life? And and how can how is that going to ultimately define your legacy? What do you want that to look like? And for me, that ended up being uh, taking sort of your entire holistic knowledge of owned, earned, and paid media and brand building um, and uh, intersecting all of them into a philosophy to curate uh, business ideas, build and accelerate them right. and sell them, right? Like that's what I want my mastery to be. So now that gives me uh, the way I built my Deer Deck Machine company is now it's it's literally about uh, systematizing that. And my goal is to, to build and sell 50 to 100 companies over the next 20 years, right? So then any media that I create, like instead of uh, creating a viral video show because I saw a business opportunity mm -hmm. and saw the global syndication of uh, Vinnie DeBona and America's Funniest Home Videos and I went out and made a cool version of it um, but as a brand it pulled me away from where I was headed before right. so now I'm doing a, a business show that is about curating building and selling businesses right so now it ties back to my mastery and then ultimately from a philanthropic standpoint instead of doing building skate parks I ultimately want to tie back to uh, this incredible legacy that I have that no one can take away from me is the fact that I've been attacked by sharks and tigers and been towed into giant waves and jockey horses and I broke world records jumping cars backwards and flipped cars for Super Bowl commercials. Like, I have a highlight what else? reel. <laughs> what else have you done? It's a highlight reel that these life moments that I can, no matter what I go to achieve, you can't ever take away from me, right? So, and that's like an, a, a huge special part of my legacy so my philanthropy will be um, creating a foundation for people that have these incredible moments where they've planned out everything, right? You're 80 years old and you want to 
you know, put a motor on a paddleboard and drive it around Catalina, and you just know that it costs you 3000 for the motor and 500 for the board, and you need a boat crew, and it's 15000 but you planned your entire dream out. I'm going to give you the money to go achieve it, right? And that's, I want uh, at, the, at the end of my life to have, you know, 100-plus companies that I had built and sell, sold that are now lasting forever, right? Like, I even, even fundamentally, I, uh, the purpose of my system is to build brands to last forever. And then uh, you got 100 companies you built and sold, and you made uh, 5,000 amazing moments or, or dreams come through for people. I can go and achieve that over time yep. with purpose. And now everything that I do will connect back to that core purpose rather than doing all these different things that don't connect back to your master. Is there any kind of shift in you know how people should perceive you? I mean, you're, you, you spent a lot of your career known for a certain set of things, yeah. and now like that conversation sounds very different than the Rob Deerdick like we all sort of publicly know. Yeah. Um, how do you handle that shift, or is it just kind of like you walk in the room like, yeah, I jumped, you know, <laughs> like how, what's, the, what's the process behind like putting that message out there in, in a way that's uh, effective? Look, I, I, I think you, you know, I'm, I'm not real big on, on trying to, um, to uh, PR myself into a new image. I'm real big on showing it. You know, it, it's just the reality that I, I'm, you know, I have, just when you thought uh, I was just going to be a pro skateboarder, I launched a television career. You know what I mean? Just when you thought I would, I would scale off from the television career, I launched a professional skateboarding league. You know, just when you thought uh, that was it, then I built a, a complete show, entrepreneur show, uh, Fantasy Factory, right? And then when you, okay, well, what's, what's your next television show? Well, look, I, I know how hard it is to film those two. I'm going to create a stage show that I can shoot 30 episodes in, in 10 days instead of of a show that I shoot 10 episodes over six months, you know, and, and a much more efficient business model behind it, right? Where I now have used my leverage with the networks to have a significant uh, partnership rather than just be talent. Now, that's what you see of today, right? right. And, and this, all that uh, pushed together. And to me, you just would have never expected that during Robin Big, uh, you know, and, and the same way that, you know, I. Uh, was afforded the opportunity to spend two years to really build out what I want to do for the rest of my life. And part of that is building an incredibly sophisticated uh, television show um, around creating a fund and using the television platform as uh, the thesis for the fund, right? right? And it's just uh, when that goes and, and... and becomes a success, that'll be what I'm known more for more than anything. And that transition will kind of evolve from that point on. That's amazing. It's a slow process, you know yeah. what I mean? I'm not Madonna. I can't just like <laughs> come out with my new goth look and like some pointy things and be like, oh, what? Madonna's got a new look. Exactly. She's doing techno. <laughs> Although you might make a good techno, uh, I don't know. You yeah. could you could pull it off. I, I yeah. feel like um, no. It's, it's, it's great that you had like you figured out how to layer it all together. And what's interesting is that you've created these pivots and kind of surprise. Like I'm not exactly what you thought it was along the way. And I think a lot of people in this room either are on a career path or they're building a business that's going to be you know here for a hundred years hopefully, or it's already been here for a hundred years. Um, and they may not have the same opportunity to to pivot in the, in the same direction. Um, I, I guess I wonder like. 
like what's your superpower at the core? Like what kind of ties it all together? Um, and and what advice do you give to people to try to identify that you know that core, that single thread? Well, look for me, I, I call it the do or die mentality, right? Like it's I'm not driven to prove something. I'm. Uh, or contrived ambition, I'm passionately compelled. I, I literally like don't really know any other way, right? Uh, I'm also profoundly grounded. You know what I mean? Like there is no, I see the beauty in failure the same way I see the beauty in success, you know? And, and I don't, as, as this has evolved, it's just as shocking to me uh, as, as anyone else that is, has known me if, to uh, end up like this, obsessively learn. You know what I mean? Like, um, it is the only way to continue to get better and better and better is to be someone uh, that knows that you don't know what you don't know and you want to know what you know specifically based off you guys of got that you, right you know what you don't know uh, and know no i don't even know if that even <laughs> no, it was great it works you know, and another core value is relentlessly consistent Right, you don't. I am not one way, one place. I'm not high and low. You don't get. You know, and, and why I've built trust with so many different people on so many different uh, opportunities is, is because you get me at, at this level uh, from the beginning to the end. You know, and and, and I look for other doer dyers right. and the same mentality that I want to build businesses with. Right, the same way that that sort of uh, same individual I want to help build your life moments with the same way so I even went back and had to be like what does tie it all together mm -hmm. right and and I started first with like let's make it about a, a mindset or a mentality first rather than trying to connect uh, some sort of piece beyond that um, along those lines this is my last question and you guys we're gonna bring some people up to, to, to chat with us but um you know, you joked about yoga. The music is off now, so you don't have to do anything. But um, is there a spiritual practice or philosophy that you, like, is your mantra? You know, um, is there something you do? Are you Russell Simmons and going to yoga every day? Or you, you, no, it's funny. The thing? Look, somebody asked me, like, you know, in Russell Simmons specifically, like, do you meditate? You mm -hmm. know, and, and I'm like, I don't meditate, but I could... I could see myself meditating in the future. You know, now, now don't get me wrong, like, I'm... I believe in process. I believe in systems, right? That that ultimately allow you to uh, free up your mind to uh, live in the energy. You know, I, I guess for me, it's it's you have, you wake up every day, and you either look at the world half full or half empty, right? And on those days it's half empty, you, like you're literally, you could pick apart everything about your life, it doesn't matter what it is, and on the half full days, shit could be going haywire, and you're like, ah, whatever. I'm cool, I got it. You know, so philosophically, I, I look at, I don't look at any aspect of my life anymore in, in uh, compartmentalized. I look at it holistically as a single piece, right? And, and the core that I'm chasing at the top is I just want to live half full every day. Uh, because that ultimately means you're in the energy that ultimately attracts all of the opportunity uh, and, and keeps you happy and fulfilled uh, in 
I don't know if that lands specifically in some level of spirituality, but it certainly makes you feel connected to the universe as a whole, and you feel even more humbled because you are just relentlessly served blessings that you've manifested through the way that you operate, you know, and it's a humbling thing that just feels more universal, but, you know, I wouldn't say it's um, necessarily identifies with any higher spiritual moment. So let's bow our heads. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I want two people to come up here. Um, we're going to just go through some Q and A, um, you know, with the, with you guys. So I'm going to I'm going to ask for volunteers, or else just drag people up here. So um, who, ah, there we go, gentlemen in the front. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. So I'll kind of riff off that a little bit. Um, this is probably the wrong venue for this, but I've got this philosophy that it's been tech, heavy, heavy tech for so long, and the pendulum has really come to the extreme. And now it's swinging back tangible. And people are kind of craving this tactile, physical, kind of analog community, hence these type of events, Summit Series, you know, or what have you. Um, and take you way back, I think Dream Factory was a while ago, yeah. The what? The Dream Factory. Or the Fantasy skate, Factory. Yeah, Fantasy yeah. Factory, sorry. Yeah. Um, it's almost, it strikes me as a little bit inauthentic, or like false, if you will. Like a lot of the social media campaigns, like granted these strategies are imperative apparently these days, but building organic community and physical brick and mortar, providing an environment to unite like really disparate communities, skateboarders, innovators, what have you. Uh, keeping that off the radar, keeping that, like not utilizing these tools and building that community um, how can you do that? How can you kind of arbitrage that model in this world? I, I just think, you know, I think you're too much of a purist. You know what I mean? Where, like, it, social media is beautiful, right? Your, your mentality, you can actually connect with 50 of you that are spread out uh, where you could never connect unless you create your event to where you um, connect with it. And that's, that's your way of thinking is for you. It is, I can tell you right now, if you want to make it a business, there is not going to be some evolution where these micro uh, events, what I like to call core, um, are going to be anything other than, than core events, right? Like, it, you know, I like to call it the core to more, right? If, if, if you don't uh, have a product that the more can use, you, you stay real to who you are at the core. Uh, but if the more wants to use it, you can, you can be a business, right? Uh, and, and I don't know if this fully answers uh, your exact question. I don't even know if, if there was a question in there, um, other than the idea of like not connecting with the, uh, the modern way of communicating. Uh, and I think as long as you're, uh, you call it inauthentic, right? And there's plenty of garbage out there, just like there's garbage everywhere. But the more authentic your message is and you never waver from it on those platforms, it's just you and what you stand for with a louder uh, microphone, you know what I mean? What is that thing called? It's a megaphone. Megaphone. megaphone, Bullhorn, yeah. You know, like that's my view on it. Because what are you trying to create that you you can't get? Uh, I mean, we've kind of created, but what I'm trying to, and it's it's experiment 100%, but I've had the honor of working with the community, um, do a lot of work with the special operations community, and these guys get 
stood out and they're inherently very quiet and very humble and, and in a way that I haven't seen at all and I think we as entrepreneurs stand a lot to benefit from yeah. and I'm not saying and I phrase that incorrectly I don't think social media is, is inauthentic I think there's just a different way of using it and I think there's a lot of validity the attributes I see that have come from this community and in the disaster response world are incredibly powerful and we kind of need that in this society and I'm looking at the best way or exploring the best ways to kind of inject that yeah. without necessarily taking the traditional steps well, of... Then I'll, I'll tell you what I think it is, right? At its core, there's um, the beauty of, of uh, special operations and whatever, like there is this, this, there's a flight or flight mentality where you actually have this depth of experience that most people don't have, right? Now, if you divide that up into pockets, into segments, whether it's uh, military, rescue, whatever it is, and their stories, um, you know, kind of tie back to a single meeting, right? So you have an event to just inspire people the more by having, you know, 50 of those people speak, right? Then your online platform is always, uh, you know, different interviews and different things with those people getting that message out and then you use your social media to do micro bits of that to drive back to your own platform which eventually uh, could scale into a television show profiling these guys scale into a television event right like it's it has this incredible opportunity to be super authentic at its core uh, but still have the ability to be a real business by reaching the masses depending on how you create it you know thank you guys uh, uh, quick question on the, write that down on Brad, social media? Quick <laughs> <laughs> so, question. Over the past couple of days, you've seen uh, Instagram create the story. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's kind of a game changer yeah. um, as far as like Snapchat and all that stuff. Where do you think, where, what's your position on I, like. Look, you know, I wouldn't even have been able to answer this yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Today I was driving in like look at this like LeBron like blocking uh, uh, Steph with like an Instagram face on it and LeBron's got a got a Snapchat face you know like I thought it was like Snapchat's better or, uh, than Instagram when in fact it was uh, my wife had to show me that no there's stories on here. So look I don't it's, it's a competitive world but I'll say this when Vine uh, was its own platform and absolutely incredible, uh, everybody was like, oh, there's no way like Instagram video is gonna kill Vine, right? And yeah. uh, it did, right? right? And, and I just think like, uh, I don't use Snapchat, right? Because it's too much hard work. Social media is really hard, it takes a lot of effort. It does. Uh, but it's, you can, can't help but naturally think a consolidation uh, will occur over time. You know, Under if you could get one. it all in one spot, you know, uh, but I don't, I don't know that for sure. That's just a personal opinion. That was my opinion. And I well. literally only have that knowledge today. If you had asked me yesterday, I'd have been like, what? This just been on my mind today. So I was right? curious. You mean Snapchat. Yeah. Uh, so thank you guys. Uh, two more. And good job. Yeah, yeah. Good luck. Thank you. Hey, man. Good luck. Oops. 
how do you how do you keep up with yourself? Like you like you're one of those guys that has idea vomit, which is how I refer to it. Like even from the invention of you know fantasy world to to all the stuff you just spewed out now, like business, creative, yeah. stunt. Like yeah. how do you keep up? And I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff on the cutting room floor that you know Rob yeah. Dyrdek has not gotten to. Yeah, but it's you know there's one more person. It's it? just the reality of putting that to, to to a little bit more discipline, so you don't end up doing a million different things. You know, and and really that's. Um, that's how you want to evolve, right? Because before I would just have a, you know, without the discipline and the structure into why I'm doing everything, I would just do everything, you know? And, and that's the type of energy that can, can be a little draining because then some things really pull you down because you didn't think them through enough in the beginning and it becomes a lot more work than you anticipated, you know? Awesome. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? I'm Andrew. Good. Hey, Andrew. Um, so you're talking about your, your new mastery mastery goal, right? Or yep. what you've been developing and the, the goal to build 50 to 100 brands or, or businesses that live forever, which is pretty great. Yep. Um, you obviously can't do that alone. And yep. out there, I'm sure you have a very diverse investment portfolio. Um, what do you look for? Like, Obviously, path to profitability and core values is great, but is there some kind of X factor or something that you feel more like a gut check? And maybe use an example, or maybe even talk about why one of my boys uh, works for Beatbox Beverages. Yeah. Maybe why you gravitated towards those guys? Then yeah, let me just tell you specifically, because I shat on them numerous times <laughs> before I, I box finally did. But 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 I, I call it in my system. I have 94 truths uh, in my entire system. I call it the magic evaluation. Right, and and that's what is the intangible you can't put your your finger on, right? And with some something like Beatbox, this is a boxed wine that these kids made. Uh, that is basically it's a box of orange wine and fruit plunge flavors, and it's 11% alcohol. It's like 44 beers in a box. It's just, it's just, you know, you grab a box and have the time of your life, right? Like I I just loved it from Delicious. a product standpoint, yeah. right? Now. They just didn't fully understand the business. I didn't understand the alcohol business. Uh, you know, I was sort of in this when I was trying to really become focused. I ended up uh, also saying that I would. I had to stop gunslinging, right? Like, cause I would just be. I'd like people and just like think like, oh, there's something special there, and like just invest in it. Only they didn't have the intangibles of fully understanding holistically brand operations and finance, right? They don't have a management team that can operate, uh, build the go-to-market, and and ultimately. Uh, manage the cash flow of a business to make it successful, right? I, I would just pick a good idea and go for it. With these guys, they were in that zone, right? And uh, they actually were going on Shark Tank. And they said, hey, can we come pitch you before we go on Shark Tank? And I was like, oh, this is great. It's like I'm living in Shark Tank, right? So they, <laughs> they come and pitch me, and I'm just like, you know, I just tear them apart. And I just, I'm thinking to myself, like, man, these guys aren't getting a dime, right? Like, like, they did, like, it was like, whatever, and then what? They go on Shark Tank and Cuban gives them a million dollars, right? And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> so now I'm kind of sad because it's like, shit, I could have just thrown like 50 G's in there and owned, like, you know, so. I was genuinely sad. <laughs> it's the moral of the story. He was you know, sad. But what they, what they had, 
then later, after they had kind of grown a little bit and gone through a bit of trouble uh, with Cuban and now this, this, this much bigger thing, and then they presented me uh, this new investor round, and I'm just like, man, this is insane. This is now like Cuban trying to add value to his investment. But, but what they discovered, which revolutionized my sort of way of thinking, which led me to invest in multiple uh, uh, alcohol brands is they actually along the way created a way to completely disrupt alcohol distribution and and that was by instead of trying to tackle markets you tackle neighborhoods and their neighborhoods where instead of trying to go into Walmarts they went into Walmart with Cuban and Shark Tank and you got three weeks to get sell throw in Walmart and you're gone right is what happened to them but what they discovered which really opened up my mind into a, a truly magical opportunity in the alcohol space is they go into a college town spend 10,000 to activate only have to um, only have to sell to three or four stores in and around a college, and now their ten thousand is making them fifty thousand. Now they have this in, incredible opportunity to scale that to all the college towns. They do that in three hundred college towns. They have a two hundred million dollar business, right? Uh, enterprise value because the alcohol business is controlled by four big giants who do not care what you do. If you disrupt distribution, they just buy you on ten times revenue, right? So now these guys have this incredible clear path to scale uh, to be bought, right? So that is why I came back around and I went out and built uh, what I call a tactical revenue model for alcohol that basically, depending on what style brand you have, uh, you go into neighborhoods and own neighborhoods instead of trying to own LA. Uh, you're a, like a hardcore whiskey, you try to own Venice and Hollywood, you know, rather than trying to own entire markets, right? And uh, that's, uh, when I look at something as an opportunity, it, it has to be the magic. It has to be the brand, the product. It's disruptive. Like there's no like like boxed wine made cool. It, and then what's what's disruptive about the opportunity to actually scale it? That's clear, you know. And, and that's what kind of led uh, to that opportunity. But look, that's a super sophisticated way to look at shit. You know. <laughs> you know. And now I try to take and apply my brand philosophy to be, tell them like, hey, your brand story isn't about your boxed wine. It's about what this box means to those uh, I was going to say kids. Was, uh, when when <laughs> those young men tweens. Uh, and those millennials get that box, that box represents we're about to have the time of our lives, right? It's like rather than making it be about, oh, this box is, is, is a great tasting alcohol beverage, it has to be like that box represents that and that soul then scales and how they talk in social, how they talk in media. Now that's their how they talk when they get to each town to activate. And this box should be representative of this portion of their lives, of these these millennials' lives that are in college where they were carefree and just wanted to have fun and study a little bit or whatever they do in college. And and that's more the opportunity that I saw holistically, you know what I mean? But look, I look at I look at everything, but I try to look for the intangible, and the intangible, what I like to call magic, kind of happens when, when it, there's an energy that comes from all the pieces coming together. You know. Thanks. Thank yeah. You. Look, I know that was a little over the top. Anybody else? Getting a little technical. The young lady, please come up. Yes, you. 
Or you can just yell it from now. Like, I want to judge. Do it in front of cameras. Oh, uh, <laughs> I just made that up. I don't know if there's cameras in here. But, um, leadership-wise, like yeah. what what type of leader are you? Like you know, when you're managing a team and you know, or like a portfolio yeah. of companies, like what is your personal approach to, to being a leader? I, I had to, to to learn and evolve it in a major way. You know what I mean? Like I. <clears throat> I don't like to operate, you know, I don't even like a core, I like to have a, just a core unit of, of people, then I like to to drop in and talk about them operating. I don't like to be in the day-to-day of, of trying to manage teams and, and, and people. I have a very small team and I try to go and build companies uh, with A-plus operators and brand people that can actually build a business, you know, and, and then I like to just be there as uh, my ability, I have a really good ability to see big, like holistic vision, and then the micro details that need to add up to it. Right. You know, I just try to feed what I see to great people that can execute. You know? That's brilliant. Hi, Jessica. Hi. Hey. Nice to meet you. Nice to Thank meet you. you. And um, I'm a fellow entrepreneur. Well, I wouldn't say fellow. I put myself in that category at all. But I am an entrepreneur. And my question is kind of along the lines of what you were just talking about in terms of building a team and having trust in people to represent you and your brands. So what do you look for in your team, you know, yeah. in terms of, you know, personality traits and actual skills and qualifications? Yeah, look, I, I call it the do or die mentality. You know, like I, I keep saying it over and over and why it is so important, you know, and, and, and that like the profoundly grounded thing is like, are you just a good person? You know what I mean? Like we, we call it, are you energetically driven, right? Are you, do you actually find energy by, by managing energy and find drive? Are you passionately compelled? Would you do it? You're doing it because you don't know any other way. You're not trying to do something. You're, you're doing it because this is you. And then ultimately the number one trait is relentlessly consistent because you build trust in everyone. Right, and it's the beauty of having that level of, of depth in the values. Um, you know, even in the small team, when when you're uh, w- what you find a lot when, especially people working for me, is man, you're so excited in those first three months. You're killing it, right? You're like, I'm here, here before anyone. I'm da da da, and then you slowly fade, and. That's not relentlessly consistent, right? That's literally contrived ambition where you like fade it, faked it till you made it, and then the real you you came out. And it doesn't last long in, in an environment when you've really established like, no, we have trust in each other because we all know how hard we work. Everyone in here is just the same with, with these values, you know? And that's, I, I would implore to anybody, especially when you're starting a company, the, the more you can establish what is, uh, what are all of you, and everybody have those traits, all the way down to the legal team, to the way that you hire. I try to hire do or die legal teams, accounting teams. Like I want my same mentality. I want the accounting version of me. I want the legal version of me. You know, like not like the late, the lazy, like you know, which I've had for years. This is an evolution. You know, I'm an adult man who's lost a lot of money. 
uh, and learning this, you know what I mean? Have you identified those traits? Because you mentioned like this three months, you know, sort of period of time where performance falls off or you kind of learn who that individual is after you've already engaged with them. Have you learned to identify some of those either great traits or not so great traits like up front, like thin slicing, like Malcolm Gladwell refers to it? Look, I, I only when I've defined it more, you know, it's very easy. And, and look, it doesn't always work. Like I, I will like... You know, there'll be times where, like, they are just rally crying everything, and you connect with them on on just theory and life and vision, and it just doesn't, it just doesn't happen. You know, I, I think it's just the interview process is so incredibly difficult. A, you're 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 on a train going a thousand miles an hour, and you need help somewhere. So even your lens that you're willing to dedicate, uh, you know, how uh, militant you want to be on those traits in itself, you got to take a leap of faith. And sometimes people blow your mind and are, are 10 times better than you thought and sometimes they literally you think they're going to be rock stars and they just dud out it just is what it is you know very hard to fire people too you know what I mean so do you think I mean obviously nobody's ever going to share your passion at your level right and so how do you do you think within like the core mission of your organizations that you you just drive that passion with you know the same energy that you you know you just shared oh man I don't look I find people like me everywhere you know, like, I don't, like, there's, there's me's in everything I do. And it's fun. It's fun. You know, and, and that's sort of, like, why I go back to I'm trying to start first with everything I do with that mentality. Are you a do or die like me? And when you are, it's real, recognized, real. It's peas in a pod, time of your life. This is going to be incredible. Let's build a plan backwards. Oh, this is going to be amazing. And then when it's, when, when shit gets real, right, because it always does, um, you don't just collapse, you, you figure it out together just the same, you know what I mean? And, and, and have faith and trust in, in each other based off of the plan that you guys built together. You know, I think that is, it is the, one of the most overlooked things. And I just think any person in entrepreneurialism should read Think and Grow Rich over and over because it fundamentally lays out the type of person that you need to be to put together all of the pieces that allow you uh, to create a mastermind alliance, to have a, f a plan, to keep that, um, that, that pursuit of what you're trying to achieve. But more than anything, all of those pieces create faith when when shit hits the fan as it always will you know what I mean and that's that's where you what what you have to develop over time to have faith in uh, to have faith in yourself the plan and the team that you created you know easier said than done I know Look, easier <laughs> said than done. Thank, thank you Jessica. thank you anyone else how are we doing on time we good I can't see your fingers but I trust you um, young man yes to you with your hand up come on up yeah yell it man yell it uh, two questions. One, first, uh, I'm, I'm a serial entrepreneur and uh, I'm a first developer. And so my question is, what, uh, how do you know when you fit not more than you can chew? Like, you know, that, that, that everything's on top of you and you know you're not doing everything that you can to kind of uh, uh, make all of your businesses thrive? Yeah. It, look, it's happened. It, it is a part of it, yeah. you know. And, and what I learned along the way is why, why does this keep happening to me, right? It wasn't like it sort of happened. 
it would be all the time. And, and, and then the problem is, is like, you know, I'm doing so many things, right, that you also are afforded when a couple things are going wrong in one, you got all the energy of the other ones, but God forbid it, it, it balances down where there's a bunch of things going wrong. It feels like, like nothing's possible, you know. And, and that's why I literally stopped and created my entire system of what I need foundationally before I ever do a business again. And, and those sort of core principles, and I just put them all out on my website, right? Because I feel like in the future, anyone that I want to partner with, they need to look at that website and be like, okay, God, if we do all this, like we're going to really, we're going to have something here or recognize it and be like, this is what we need to do. But I just, it, it, fundamentally comes down to the type of people that you have built companies with. And then you as an entrepreneur, uh, foundationally understanding that entire plan, right? It's why I went from looking at revenue models to wanting to see tactical revenue models that create a micro path to success that puts everybody in the company like dollar for dollar, door for door, person for person, how you're actually going to scale. And every single person, what, when do you want to sell this? If you don't want to sell it, what do you want it for? Okay, you want it to get it to, to profitability and it be what you do for the rest of your life? Cool. I'm only in it for the next five years. So when we get it to here, I'm selling my equity, right? It's, so it's that at least, you know, in, in thinking grow rich and... and the books start at the end, right? Like it, you have to decide, I want to make $20 million. I want to make 500 grand a year for the rest of my life. You have to decide what that is and, and build your plan backwards from that. And, and that's how you relieve when you're just getting overwhelmed um, because a lot of times so much unexpected stuff doesn't happen and then you're like, we got to get this person to handle this, it's, which a lot of it could have been avoided because with a better plan at the very beginning. Easier said than done. If you want to chase it down, the beauty of it is you get better and better the older you get and, and smarter and smarter uh, as you keep looking and doing so many different businesses. Because I didn't talk like this like five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and JJ knows it. JJ's like, who is this guy, man? Uh, what? Listen to me. I love animals, okay? I've had a small horse. Uh, I've attempted to own a pig before. I, I have a snake. I have a rabbit. I have two bulldogs. And literally, like, if heaven cried a tear and dropped this little mini Pomeranian on me, that's what it is. Uh, but I don't really do charity work outside of my existing world. It's inauthentic to me, you know, so it's, it's, and for the total balance of, of my life as a whole, I like spending time with my wife who's about to have our first child and, and I've already, uh, there they are, uh, you know, and I've already, you know, I didn't build this plan and this way of thinking without taking all of that into consideration, you know, and part of that really is, is managing your time and being incredibly efficient at saying no. Yeah, man. So I appreciate it, but. Yeah, for sure. Thank you.
I think we only have a, a couple more minutes, and, and people, it's almost lunchtime too. Um, I just wanted to kind of end on one note. Um, this, well, first of all, you mentioned you go to your website to get some information. What is the URL to the? Uh, DeerDickMachine.com. DeerDickMachine.com. Too technical, it'll melt your brain. <laughs> <laughs> brain melting. Um, that's, what, that's the note I wanted to end on. Um, no, so. I mean, Worlds is very inspirational. Like you, you hear the speakers doing the keynotes, and like you're thinking about how good life is. The you know the glass is half full. Um, I'm just curious as to what inspired you at 10, 11, and you know as you just mentioned, you kind of grown older and wiser. What inspires you now? Like what are the you know what's changed about the the things or the the you know the internal mechanism that the breeds inspiration for you? I, I, you know, I don't think anything's changed. I've just learned to understand what it is, right? And, and, and I, I really lay this on any and everyone. If you can look at, uh, uh, holistically, if you can look at your whole life and be like, this is what I want out of life, and build backwards from there, it, 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 as you begin to achieve that, and, and God forbid you get to a place where uh, you really achieve it, your fulfillment and and your ability to get up energized and live in that energy uh, compounds on itself, right? So it, it's, it's, you get to a point where you can't, I get up every day and I can't believe what a lucky life that I have or how happy that I truly at my soul am. And that just is this sort of perpetual energy that you don't even look at anymore because it's simply the way that you live. Brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Got Thank a you guys. Bit Group hug? Or at least some, some applause. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, I don't know if you're going to be sticking around, but uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Thanks now i got to get to work, man. <laughs> All these ideas ain't going to run themselves. <laughs>